publishing a book is a victory, but it's not the end. After you sweep up the confetti and wash the champagne flutes, what's next? Authoring Onward is the podcast about those steps after your first publication. Going from published author to having a long-term writing career. And that has no clear endpoint and plenty of ups and downs. But telling stories for the long-term is so, so worth it. Sit back, listen, and together, let's author Onward. Hello and welcome to another episode of Authoring Onward. I'm your host, author, editor, and book coach, Connie B. Dowell. And today I am recording at an actual writing desk, um, which is a nice change. So I haven't had one for some time. My, um, my husband's been helping to clear out his grandmother's house for the past couple of months since she passed this winter. And one of the uh, furniture items that he brought back last night was a writing desk. Um, So if it's a little bit echoey, it's because I am currently in kind of temporary housing for this desk until I rearrange our our room um, and place it where it will go against the window. Um, But for now, this is where the desk is. So this is where I'm recording. And it's been, it's lovely to be at a real desk uh, because the past three years, like when we lived in Houston, I had, I, our house had actually a built-in desk, which was kind of fun, but no such thing here. So I've been like at this wobbly folding table sitting on the edge of the bed. I know like real glamorous author life right there. Um, or I've been at what was supposed to be my solution, a treadmill desk. And the treadmill part worked great, but the desk part, not so much. It was just a little bit too low for me. So I'm like craning my head down the whole time, which is not so great for your neck. And then I would end up not using the treadmill desk at all and just moving to the wobbly folding table um, because it was less painful. But now I am at a real desk. Hooray! So celebrating the little things um, today. Little things like being at a desk. But today's episode is all about some things that, unlike things like desks, which are working, things that didn't work. Um, I know I've had a lot of tips on tips episodes in this podcast about things that are working for me or things that you might want to try um, in your author craft or your author business. Um, But today uh, is more business focused and it's about seven things that did not work for me and my author business. Now that's not to say it won't work for you because everyone is different and everyone's books are different. Everyone's career path is different. Everyone's author business is different. But hopefully by hearing some of the things that didn't work for me, you'll be able to make an informed decision about whether those things will work for you or not. So the first thing that did not work for me in my author business, and it's a really common step for a lot of newer authors to take, which is pretending like my books were for everyone. Um, We all wish that our books would be in every household and be for every reader, but they're not 
going to. Um, and I would say this is almost universally not going to work for every author. Um, and because when you try to be for everyone, if you try to promote your books to anyone who likes to read, then you, you kind of end up with this, this really scattered, confused marketing message. And it's really hard to narrow, narrow in on, on anything. If you haven't narrowed in your audience and know what they like, you know how to talk to them. There's just so many benefits of knowing your audience. And when you expand your audience too much and you say your books are for everyone, um, even if you're, you, you, um, you know, just age categorize this. If you say, Oh, my books are for every adult or my books are for every teen or my books are for every kid. Um, if you really, if you, if you go too broad, then it is hard to get to know your audience and what they like. And knowing that makes it so much easier to communicate to them, to talk about your books, to promote your books, to, um, if you are a self-published author, to package your books um, in the right way, with the right branding, with the right covers, with the, all the right messaging, to reach the people that are actually really interested. So, you know, we... We all think about some of these breakout books that maybe did have this mass appeal, but when you go back and look at them, they weren't initially marketed at everyone. They were marketed to a specific market, and then they did so well that they crossed over into other markets. Um, and so that's the lesson. They're really, to hit a broad appeal, you do actually need to be. A little more specific. Now, on the flip side, the thing that didn't work for me in my author business was niching too small. Um, so I got the message. Uh, my books were not for everyone. My books needed to be marketed to a market. But then I would niche too, too small. Okay, so just for, just for people who like, I get it. I need to market to people who like mysteries. I need to niche down. So niche down to historical mysteries, niche down to historical mysteries from this particular time period, niche down to historical mysteries, um, with queer protagonists. But you know what? People who like, um, cozy mysteries or historical mysteries, that really was as far niche down as I needed to be. And I could play up the other elements in my marketing as well, because people are, are interested in those kinds of things. You know, I could talk about that time, the time period in which my books are set. Um, I could talk about my queer characters and queer history. And those were all really lovely, but I didn't need to hyper-focus on the niche down and not embrace a vibrant category of books that were selling really well, where my books would fit quite nicely. So it, it is a tough balance to achieve, um, but this tends to be the other direction. If you realize that you are trying to be for everyone, you might course correct and swing that pendulum too far in the opposite direction. And that's perfectly normal. Just try to get it back toward that sweet spot where you, you are niching down in a category that is large enough that you are going to sell some books. Um, 
And, you know, you can play up those interesting, um, very niche or really unique elements of your books, because people who like books in that broader category will probably be interested in that. All right, so let's move on to number three on the things that did not work for my author business. What I, and I really took a long time to realize this, that this was what I was doing and why things weren't working the way I wanted them to, is not understanding the difference between indie and traditional markets. Um, I thought I had really researched well and I understood where my books would be placed and what kind of kind of comp titles, uh, comparative titles, if you're not familiar with that term, the comparative titles that I could appeal to, the people who like these books would like my books. Um, I thought I really understood that uh, because if, if y'all have been listening for a while, you might know that I initially marketed my historical series um, as historical YA. Um, so historical YA mystery. And I just, I, I knew a number of other historical YAs that I could compare it to. I knew other historical YAs with, uh, which were truly mysteries or had mystery components. And I knew it was a smaller genre or smaller um, subgenre, but that it was one with a lot of a lot of great stuff I was really excited about, but I did not understand the difference between indie and the traditional markets. All the books that I was comparing my books to, all the books and authors' careers that I was trying to be like, they were all traditionally published. And while there is a vibrant market for um, some YA in self-publishing and of course this may change maybe by the time you're listening to this you might see a greater you know a greater indie YA market but while there's a vibrant indie YA market it is just for specific sub specific genres and subgenres. Um, so there's like a vibrant indie YA market for say paranormal romance um, or for urban fantasy. There's not so much for YA historicals. At least there certainly wasn't then. And I haven't really looked back recently to try and I haven't found much recently, but I haven't really been digging for it anymore. Um, but what I, I, I knew there was a market for my books, but the, the readership is different. The readership is a little different between indie books and traditionally published books. There are many readers who do read both, but particularly when you go in younger and particularly that, that difficult middle period of, you know, YA or upper middle grade, that it's harder to bridge that gap because so much of the promotion of those traditionally published YA historicals that I was trying to be alike, they, the, so much of that promotion was relying on 
things that I didn't have easy access to as an indie author. Um, so much was handled in a way that that I won't say that, that indie authors can't do. And I would look at, um, you know, many indie authors of children's books who have, you know, really, really embraced the, um, the, the library and school market and some school visits, um, and you know, arrange things, at events at bookstores in all of that can be done, but it is a next level skill. And, when I was early in my career, I didn't have that next level skill yet. And so I just, I just did not have the tools to reach that audience. And the audience that I was managing to reach, I was surprised to find that they were not your typical YA readership. And they, they were much older, much older even than typical reader, adult readers of YA. And in fact, they were all interested in cozy mysteries. And that's why I chose to kind of pivot the packaging and marketing my books and the characters aged up just a little bit. Um, but if people are talking about this as cozy mysteries, and this is appealing as a cozy series, maybe that's the, maybe this is the path I should be running down. So if it's, you know, if you haven't, if you're having some trouble, if you're, you think you're doing all the right things, if you think you're analyzing the marketplace and you're just not quite hitting what you want, maybe take a step back and look at the books that you are emulating. Look at the authors you're emulating. Are they exclusively or primarily traditionally published or are they exclusively or primarily indie published? Um, and what kinds of marketing tactics are they doing? You know, what kinds of tools are they doing to get, what kind of tools are they using to get the word out? And is that a step that you're doing? Is that a step you could do? Is that a step that's really maybe more difficult or a next level step for you? So that was, yeah, that was a big misstep for me in my author business. So let's move on to number four. Number four and things that didn't work for my author business. Um, and this is a real tough one. Uh, thing that didn't work was saying yes to absolutely every publicity or marketing opportunity that came my way. Um, and it's tough because in the beginning of your career, you really need to get some momentum going and you probably are gonna find yourself saying yes to almost everything that comes your way. But eventually you need to learn how to turn off that automatic yes um, to not only manage your time, but also evaluate the effectiveness of these opportunities. Um, because, you know, say I, you want to say yes to like every single event, every single podcast, every single whatever. But if the mark, your market isn't really there, um, then you're just kind of using your time and your energy, but you're probably not really increasing your sales or your reach. And I have done this. Um, I've, you know, done interviews or appeared on podcasts and done other events and stuff that, I mean, it made me feel good that I did, got to do that event. Um, but 
I, I kind of knew at the end of the day, this is not going to help me sell books or this is not going to help me um, in my editing business. This is just, it's just kind of there because it just didn't have the audience that either of the audiences that I needed, which was readers, um, specifically of mystery or and cozy or otherwise, um, or authors and writers. Um, it just didn't have, it just kind of didn't hit either of those markets very much. So it's a, it's a skill that you learn along the way, but I know I definitely wasted a good bit of my time um, doing, saying yes to every little thing, just because I was so glad to be asked. And eventually you, you, know, you might start out doing a lot of things that aren't super targeted just to get that experience under your belt, but eventually you have to be a bit more choosy. All right, next thing that did not work in my author business was just tossing money at the problem. Um, when I was new, I just, I, I knew I needed to market. <laughs> Every, it, this was like super early. Um, it was 2014 when I first published. And there wasn't as much out there as there is today about learning how to market. And I kept reading and reading and reading about self-publishing. And everyone said, don't forget the marketing. Remember, you need to market. You go ahead and market. And I was going, okay, how? <laughs> so there just wasn't as much information out there or I didn't know where to find it. Um, but I did know about things like like blog tours or um, promotion companies. And so I threw some money at the problem. Um, I paid for some blog tours and didn't really see many results. You know, I didn't get many reviews out of it. It just sort of, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great research into that particular tour company and whether that was right for this particular kind of book. Um, or whether the tour companies were doing even a very good job. Like I ended up, um, I ended up with a, one tour that went off supposedly without a hitch, but it just really wasn't right for the book at the time. And it also just sort of had lots of, there were, there was like lots of just blogs that sort of reposted the same content. So it just wasn't a really good quality tour. Um, and then I had another one which looked good on the surface and then it just sort of like like it was botched um and reviews review copies didn't go out in time they didn't they'd sort of like they sort of forgot about me and then they're like oh i guess do you want to keep going and do the tour and i'm like well yeah because it's launch time um so so yeah i just sort of threw the money at the problem and didn't really do the research and it just kind of flushed down the drain. Uh, so if you're, if you're, if you are at that crossroads and you're thinking, oh, I just don't know what to do. Here's some things that I could pay for and maybe that will solve my problem. Um, there are many expenses that you can, you can have in promoting your books and publishing your books, but you want to really, really research first. You can't just throw money at the problem and expect it to go away. So let's move on to number six. 
Sixth thing that did not work for my author business, which over stretching myself and over committing. And that is a constant struggle for me because again, I want to say yes to everything. I want to do everything and I want to write all the books and I want to write them all right now. And <laughs> you can't actually do that. Um, so I, you know, that is still a struggle for me to not overstretch myself. So, you know, take some time when you are planning out your, your neck, your upcoming schedule to leave some white space. Um, maybe it's time and I'm just thinking of this on the fly to, you know, adapt the, the Coco Chanel quote of before you leave the house, take off one piece of jewelry. Maybe before you do your next quarterly planning, take off one activity. Um, because if you are like me and you want to sign up for all the things and you want to do all the things, then you won't necessarily see it. You won't necessarily see that you're going to be overcommitted until it happens. So that's the time to maybe have somebody else check your plan or maybe take off that one activity, like take off that one piece of jewelry. All right, then the final and seventh thing for today um, that did not help in my author business, did not work for my author business, was not having a long-term career plan. Um, and I think this, again, happens to a lot of writers. Um, whether they want to be a writer for, you know, since they were children like me, or whether they kind of stumble into it as an adult and find this passion leader, this happens to a lot of us that we go way too long without a long-term career plan. Um, and that's because, you know, it's, it's a dream, right? And we're excited about our dream to publish a book. And for, for many of us so long, that is the dream. I just want to finish a book. I just want to publish a book. That's the goal. That's the end point. And then you get there and you realize that very few authors can make a career off of one book. Um, very few of them. Really a minuscule amount from any publishing path. You have to write more books. Um, you, have to, you have to develop a career and a plan. Um, and so we kind of stumble along. And this is a way that... Um, where this is one, as much as I love indie publishing, this is one disadvantage to indie publishing over traditional. If you had, you know, if you are a traditionally published author with an agent, then you probably have had more, there's more guidance and more forethought. Ideally, there should be from your agent a little bit more guidance and more forethought about your long-term author career. And a good agent will want to see that you've thought about your author career. You've thought about what's the next book going to be. Um, and you've thought about what's the book, you know, where you're going after that. You've got different ideas in play. But for those of us who are indie published, we can get to that point we can get to that point where we're like, yes, I have achieved the dream and now I want to go on and what is next? Oh, well, maybe this thing. Oh, well, maybe this other third thing. And we can kind of wind our way around our career path. Um, that's not to say that traditionally published authors have a much more straight and focused career path. 
it can also be windy. But so I, I think we could all use some some time to sit down and think about where we're going long term. Where make that five year plan or ten year plan um, or or whatever for your author business, and then reevaluate your plan. Maybe you've had a long term plan and for a while and things are developing in a new direction. So go back, if you haven't yet done so, have a long term, sit down, make some time, and write out a longer term author career plan. And if it's been a while since you have looked at yours, then go back and reevaluate. So those are my seven things for this time. Um, so it has been great talking to y'all this week. This coming up week um, on Tuesday is the launch of the Mysteries, Midsummer Sun and Murders anthology. 21 different stories from different cozy mystery authors, all of them very summer themed, uh, hence the launch on the summer solstice. and. We are just really excited about this book. It's it's going to be fun. Um, if you're looking for a good beach read, they're all um, novella and novelette length. So it's a it's a great way to kind of pass a summer afternoon to pick one of the 21 and then just read it, maybe with like a fancy drink with an umbrella in it. So that's coming up. I'll link that in the show notes. Um, and I'll probably be talking more about the anthology after it's you know, after it launches, after we get a little bit um, of data back into it, talk more about what we did to promote and what, uh, you know, what we can learn from all that. So until next time, happy writing, everybody. 